This episode of the School of Last podcast is brought to you by Patreon supporter Sandy Joy. If you'd like to learn how you can support the podcast through a small recurring monthly donation, just log on to schooloflast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks, Sandy. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by schooloflaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Last podcast. Rick Roberts here, getting close to the end of the year, guys and gals. Just around the corner. Hope you had a good one. Hope you accomplished a lot of the goals you set out to do earlier in the year. And you're getting ready to set goals for next year. In the next podcast, coming out January 1st, it'll be all about setting goals for the new year. And it'll also include an invitation to join us for Club 52 so you can start the year right on top. On top of the year. Right there at the very first day of the calendar. And knock out Club 52. You've been hearing about it for a while. But it's a 52-week email course that is just as little as seven dollars a month you can take that punch up your stand-up punch up your business get better at performing all those things plus you'll be invited to a monthly online hangout mastermind group if you've ever thought man i could use somebody just to to help me get over the hump here to get past this one problem i've got a question here i don't know who to ask it to club 52 takes care of all that as well as props you every week to get bigger, better, and more bookable. So if you're interested in Club 52, now's a great time to sign up for that. You can go to schooloflaughs.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and any donation above $7 a month will automatically enroll you in Club 52, and you'll be able to start the year fresh and get focused on your comedy business. Today's podcast is all about questions. What questions do new comedians have? After a recent writing class here in Nashville, a few people got to stick around, pick my brain, ask a few questions, and we put those questions right here on the podcast. I figure if they're wondering it, you might be wondering it too. Speaking of classes, before we get into the podcast today, uh, let me tell you about what's coming up for the School of Laughs, and maybe you can join us for some of the fun and learning. Uh, the writing class will kick off again Tuesdays, January 2, 9, and 16 from 6 to 8. That's Tuesdays, January 2, 9, and 16 from 6 to 8 p.m. That's the stand-up comedy level one writing class. That will be held out in Hermitage, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville at the School of Last headquarters. So if you want to get in on that, shoot me an email, uh, schooloflast at gmail.com, and put January writing classes in the subject line, and I'll get you all taken care of there. The Business of Comedy Seminar is also coming up early in January, January 6th, that's a Saturday, from 1 to 4 p.m. also at the School of Last Headquarters out in Hermitage, Tennessee. I have some spots available for that class as well. I have a Level 2 Performance class coming up. That's almost sold out. We've had uh, two writing classes in between the last performance class, and most of those folks want to get in on this. But if you are interested and you want to see if there's a spot still available for the Level 2 Performance class, that's happening on Mondays, January 8th, 15th, and 22nd at SIR in Nashville, Tennessee, just about a mile from Zany's Comedy Club downtown. Lastly, the uh, Improv Level 1 Games class. We're going to try to do that in February coming up, but I need to know if you're interested enough to do that. So shoot me an email, schooloflast at gmail.com. Put improv classes in the subject line, and I'll make sure you get notified of all upcoming dates for that. Okay, that's it for the live classes. I'll talk about the online class after this little podcast. 
where I sat around and did a comedy campfire after one of my recent writing classes here in Nashville, Tennessee. All right, I'm here at SIR in Nashville after a writing class, our third writing class of the three. And I thought it'd be fun to kind of hang out, ask, get a few questions asked from the students who have stuck around. There's about seven or eight of us. And uh, I'm sure if they're wondering this question, you guys listening probably are as well. So first off, uh, introduce yourself. Let me know where you're from and why you popped into class today. Okay, so my name is Carlos, and I am from Fresno, California. Uh, nowhere near Nashville, but I happen to be in town for an unrelated business and uh, thought I'd pop in on the class. I know there was two before, but I'm glad you gave me a shot to come in and that learn, was cool. learn a little bit. Yeah, Anything for a podcast listener. So that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, so what's on your mind today? So I was wondering, uh, how hard is it to run your own um, your own open mic so that you can create opportunities? I mean, and what your thoughts are on that? Yeah, I think it's probably the best thing and the one of the, the fastest ways to becoming a better comic early on is to host your own show. The, uh, you know, how hard it is, is it? The hardest part will probably be finding the, the location to start off with and and finding somebody that's going to let it go for a couple of months so it can get some traction. That's always the tricky part. Usually businesses, they're kind of pull a short leash on that kind of stuff. If it doesn't get a crowd in there the first two times, they're done with it. So you need to make that really clear to the venue when you first establish that, that you're going to do an open mic there is find a day of the week where they're kind of slow or find a time of the day or evening you know, where they're kind of slow, maybe the seven to nine hours dead at a club before it starts getting hopping and let them know, hey, I wouldn't even work too hard about making money. You know, Let them know, hey, you can keep all the money at the door if you're charging or if, if we're charging five bucks, you can have all the drinks and everything else. We just want a little bit of money to operate with. Keep the money low if there is even any fee. Uh, some venues will say, you know, we'll throw you 300 bucks to do a show for two hours. You know, you can negotiate all that kind of stuff. But find a night where they're not doing anything. If you live, you know, the closer to your house, the better. So it's not much more of a job than it needs to be. And some places, if you drive by there seven times and like that parking lot's empty every Wednesday night, that's an opportunity to go in. Uh, then go in and check out the venue. Make sure there is a an area that is as far away from the blenders at the bar as possible. Um, not necessarily right by the bathroom. Some where it looks like you could do a show there that maybe 30 to 50 people could sit in there and enjoy it. Um, it's not that much to buy a small PA system. If you if you're gonna do this for a living, at some point you might be asked to do a gig and you need to have a PA system anyway. So for like 350 bucks or less, you can get all you need at Guitar Center or one of these places. You can order online at Musician's Friend. Get you a nice four-channel PA, a couple of mics, some cords, and you're ready to roll. Uh, I guess the hardest part after that would be getting the people in the seats. Because, you know, you can, have, you can have the best comics show up. But if people aren't there to enjoy it, the comics won't show up the next time. So you kind of learn how to market. And the, the great thing about as you're doing that, you're learning how to market a show, but you're also learning the processes of marketing. So when it comes to you promoting yourself down the line individually, you kind of know how Facebook ads work. You kind of know how flyering works, all these different things to, to get it going. Then the best part about all that, once you have the show rolling, you're the host. You determine if the host does 30 minutes up front, three minutes up front. If you do 10 minutes between every act, whatever you need to get your material developed. And you'll kind of naturally feel the pressure of creating more material each week because hopefully you'll have regulars attending after a while, and that's going to force you to write more, which is a good thing. So I think the the hard work that goes into it, if you develop one that actually lasts and goes on, I mean, there's some national open mics that have been going on for several years, 
and the hosts of those have become incredible comics. And there's been a few people that have tried a few open mics here recently, and it lasted about two months because they just couldn't get the turnout. So you'll learn one of three things at the end of the experience. One, if it was worth your time, did you get better as a comedian? Two, maybe you're a great comedian but a horrible marketer. Or three, maybe you're a great comedian, great marketer, the venue sucked. So <laughs> you're going to learn no matter what. But I think number one thing I would do, if, if I wasn't traveling so much now, I would be running open mic once a month just to work on new material. I guess. Another question that popped up, are you saying um, about two months is like the the, the pinpoint I would time? Think, I would try, if you're going to put your efforts into something, I would try to find a venue that's going to meet you at least two months. Okay. It just, you know, and if that's, I guess I should say, if that's a weekly thing, that's eight times that you've given it a try. If they just want to try it once a month, it's probably going to be harder to get traction that way, but I would ask them for three or four months to try that out, just so that you can build upon something. If there's just like a one night, let's see how it goes, it may not be worth your while. Okay. Good question. Thanks, Thank Carlos. You. Thank you. I'm Holly. I'm from Mount Juliet, right outside of Nashville, and um, this is my second time taking the class because I had a baby and lost all sense of time and place <laughs> and needed to get back into writing. Yeah, no doubt. But you got lots more material now. Yes. You can make that baby pay off a little bit. <laughs> oh, and he will. <laughs> so what's on your mind? Um, my question is, I'm a little bit of a functional introvert, so how does that work um, in the whole how you get started and are expected to maybe MC a show? How do you deal with that, or is there a way around that? That's a great question. So you're introverted. You're not necessarily an outgoing person, but you might have to be the first comic on a bill to warm the show up, to warm the show up, and to also introduce the comics, and if that might be a little... That's kind of a phobia of yours. It could be a great thing for you to, I mean, comedy could be the best thing ever for you to get past all that because you're going to have to meet, let's, let's go best case scenario for a second. You develop comedy and, and you, you're hitting the road or you're doing corporate events, whatever your focus might end up being. Everywhere you go, you're going to have to establish a connection with the person that hired you, with the AV people, whether it's at a club or if it's in a banquet or hall or whatever. You have to talk to the other MCs or whoever's introducing you to, to do your thing. Or if you're MCing a show, you're going to have to get all that information from everybody else. So there may not be a way around it. MCing is a pretty necessary skill. Even even if you're a, head, a headliner, sometimes it's a two-act show and the MC doesn't do a good job. So you become the MC when you get on stage to get the audience up, up to speed for your show. So it, it's really hard to... I wouldn't say shortcut it because that's not what you're looking to do, but you're trying to find a way to navigate around the MCing thing. I would put myself in a position to volunteer at Carlos's open mic after he's got it running for three months. He can't he can't be there one night because he's getting so good he's getting gigs that you guest MC. So there's not a pressure of you running your own comedy show for three months, but you can fill in one time for Carlos to help him out, kind of get past your nerves a little bit or whatever it might be. If there's a real deep issue with it, you may, you may, is it more of just a, I don't tend to be this kind of person or is there like, do you freak out when you start to? I mean, I'm used to being, I was a youth pastor, so I'm used to being up on stage. I'm used to talking to people. I guess it's just like that type of being on stage, I guess is intimidating to me. So Yeah, I mean, it is hard, but this is what I'll say. If, if you don't MC and get used to it, then even if you kind of build up material and you end up going out in the corporate worlds, which is I think was we talked, that's kind of what your your goal is. You're still going to need to have that skill set to kind of warm the crowd up for you. So, I mean, I, I would I can't say don't do it. I can't say 
find a way around it, I, I say do it. So you're saying tough luck. <laughs> yeah, in a way. I mean, here's the here's one thing I'll say, though, is it, it might not be a long-term thing that you're doing in MC spots. There's a lot of comics I know, um, I'm thinking one right now, who is incredibly funny, but would make the worst MC ever because their material is so eclectic and it's so odd that having them come out and welcome the crowd, it's, it's just going to be weird. And they're they're the most unique thing on the show, no matter what show they do. And their act really works great in the middle spot. And it's going to be hard for them to headline at some point. They're going to have to if they want to keep doing it. But until they get the uh, the skill set to do that, their best place is really in the middle. And when I've seen them try to MC shows, it just it's really clunky. So, you know, I wish there was a better way to, to skip it. But, again, just like Carlos was saying, the more effort you put into it, it's going to reap big-time rewards down the road because you've got that skill set behind you. One thing I might say, too, is look for places to volunteer where there's not pressure to be funny. If you work at an office and they have any events where they bring in a speaker or even the weekly office meetings, I mean, it sounds corny, but ask if you can kick off each of those meetings and just simply introduce the CEO or whoever and just kind of do the housekeeping rules. Hey, this meeting's 35 minutes. We're going to cover these three topics. Here's the boss. Just kind of in bits and pieces, baby steps, work yourself through that. I like being... Uh, like a hand, little hand holding. So like, would it maybe be a good idea to maybe start an open mic with someone that I feel comfortable with? And then that'd be a great idea. Yeah. So maybe it's like a buddy system. Co-host. Like yeah. Like <laughs> you know, in, in the old days, I mean, let's, let's go way back in the old days. There was comedy teams all over the place. Laurel and Hardy, Abbott and Costello. Who else? You guys are not as old as I am. <laughs> Penn and Teller. And so they have that benefit of working off of somebody. So why not? You know, and that's another great thing, too. If you say you did start open mic and you had co-hosting partner, you know, if they had to be out of town at some point, you could still host it on your own occasionally and vice versa. So you're not always have to be there. You know, you'll have the opportunity without too much of the stress. Good luck with that. I think you'll be fine. Uh, my name is Neil. I live here in Nashville and I took the class because I've been doing stand up for a little bit, but wanted some better techniques and skills to write better and uh i guess my question is uh what are your thoughts on getting on shows do you just keep grinding out at an open mic until someone notices you or would do you approach someone who has a show and be like hey could i get five minutes what are your what do you think yeah how to be persistent but not pesky right and i know people in both categories in town for sure i know a couple comics that are really pushy and they get on shows but they're not always welcomed next time around or they start kind of getting the vibe around them that hey this guy's a little too aggressive so how do you go about it first thing i would do obviously is go see the shows you want to be on if there's a monthly book show and uh, comics that you feel are at the same level even a little bit below or even ahead of you are getting on those shows and you're you're ready for those shows i would go to a few of them and i would i would kind of whisper in the mc's ear or whoever's booking the show hey if you ever need somebody, um, I, I think I'd have a good time at this set. I, I'd, I'd do a good job for you. That way you're not saying, can you put me on next week's show or next month's show? You're saying when there's a need. And there'll be a need. At some point, somebody's going to fall out. Uh, same thing at comedy clubs. Once once you kind of get a foot in the door there, it's just kind of letting them know, you know, you've seen me a few times. Uh, I emceed this over here. I've done that. Love for a shot at the club when, when you feel I'm ready without saying, can you put me up next week? And again, 
the more the more you're in the, those scenes and and hanging out with the comics that are getting on the shows, the other thing you could do is ask the comics who got booked on the show. How did you get booked on the show? Did you have to ask the guy? Did you have to ask him ten times, or did they just watch you for about a year and go, "Hey, let's get on the show." So talk to people who've been there, done that, find out how, and then kind of suggest but not demand. But you definitely want to let them know because they're not they're not going to read your mind. And they're pro- sometimes they're probably looking at you like, he'd probably like to be on the show, but eh, he, he's not asking me, so he doesn't have the hustle to get on the show. So you want to let him know that you got the hustle, but you don't want to be a, a pest about it. I'm Drew. I grew up in Houston, recent transplant to Nashville. Always loved stand-up. Always kind of like just gravitated toward humor and, and kind of being funny. And so I'm like, I would like to sharpen some skills and see if this could really be a, at least a weekend hobby every now and again. Cool. How do you feel about it so far? Uh, it's been great. I really feel like I learned a lot of techniques and definitely put a lot of meat on the bones good, of good. how to do it. Cool. And what's your question today? So I, since I've been kind of in this headspace, I went to my first open mic night and it was a train wreck. Uh, I didn't perform, but there was uh, all the com- all the comics were leaving after their set. There was about 1.5 drunk people uh, in the audience <laughs> for a comic <laughs> right and uh, I was just I'm just wondering like man if I go to an open mic night and it kind of is that situation should I still go is there something I can do to actually glean some sort of win out of a, a, a stand up or a open mic set if, if that is the situation yeah that's a great question and you will find a lot of shows where it is just comics and it's just comics looking at their set list not even watching the show so they can do their set when they get up and then they unfortunately will leave and go to a different place so yeah what do you do i don't know how many years i was into but somebody kind of gave me a little roadmap for exactly the situation for not just open mics but any kind of show because there's there's shows where you'll go and it's like yeah man why am i even here find one specific thing to focus on for your entire show so for for some shows like if i went to an open mic that first focus for me would be work on new material get jokes out of my notebook out of my head and onto the stage so i can at least see if, if it's worth pursuing get at least the initial reaction out if if i've done that and the next week i go to the same place i'm going to take those jokes that i worked on last week and i'm going to work on delivering the punchline to the target for that joke in the audience so if i got a joke about being married i'm going to look at somebody who's married and deliver that punchline because that's my target audience if i got a joke about if i had a joke about playing video games i'd look at somebody you know your age <laughs> and uh, or somebody from houston but um but I would, I would pick a specific thing. If I got that done, the third week I go back, the material's kind of kicking in, I'm making good eye contact, I'm going to work on my pacing. That's something I have to work on every single show, even now that I'm being paid to do it full time. If I start too fast in a show, the audience doesn't have time to connect, and I'm, I'm going through too much material too quick, and they think I'm nervous, so they think I'm not professional because I haven't slowed down the pace. So even in this podcast, I just realized how fast I was talking. That's, that's my natural tendency. So there's a performance aspect you can always work on. Uh, the, the timing, the pacing, if you've got all that down, the next thing would probably be how you accentuate the punchline or how you deliver the punchline. Uh, are you telegraphing the punchline of the joke and they're getting it too early or they're, they're getting it so early they're not laughing? Or are you really delivering that punchline as if you're thinking of it right on the spot and it's popping because you're giving it that energy? So even at an open mic where there might be 10 people and nobody's paying attention, you at least have one of those things you can be working on every single time. And if you do that... Even though it may have been a, it's seemingly a waste of time, you don't have to do it next week. You're already one step further down the line. Sure. And you can run that cycle over and over again with all your material and keep working on those performance aspects, get the material out of the notebook, and make it happen. 
Would you say like certain open mic nights have a content that kind of works for them? I was noticing at this show, like no, nothing was getting laughs except for like the dirtiest things that anyone could say. I was like, oh man, if I get up and do my squeaky clean stuff, everyone's going to be like, Burr. Yeah. So that's a good point. And here's where I stand on it, but there's no perfect answer. But another comic who I wish I could remember once told me, you should always work on performing for your ultimate audience than the audience in front of you. Sure, you want to connect with the audience in front of you, but if they're not your target market, you're just there for stage time to work on your material, I would do the material that you need to work on for your end goal. And I know this to be true, and I know Neil knows this to be true and highly. If you can get a clean joke to work in a place where they usually only laugh at dirty stuff, it's going to crush when you go to a place where they want to hear clean. The other thing, as kind of a side comment on that, if you always keep trying to chase the material for the audience every single show, you're never going to get traction. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be hard to be booked on a show because people don't know, is he the comic that does the dirty stuff or is he the comic that does this clean stuff? So you're building a reputation set by set. So it's better to do a clean set if that's who you want to be in a dirty environment and get deeper into who you are than try to chase what's going on out there. Sure. Thanks. So it, it doesn't seem like the right thing when you're on stage and it can be painful. But nothing worth anything is is easy, and it's gonna it's gonna be some pain there to get to it. Awesome, thanks. Very cool. Taking the class again to kind of brush up on some stuff and just be around uh, the funny environment. Yeah, yeah. Get to meet people. Yeah, get the information the second time. We'll sink in. It's good. Let me ask you: Was there anything the second time you picked up on that you missed completely or didn't absorb the first time? Uh, there's uh, there's new information. Like when I hear it again, it's sort of recentered, you know, because uh, I've done a few more open mics and you know you sort of chase rabbits or you start reinventing stuff but coming back to home base being like okay what was i doing and hearing some of that again it sinks in a little better and you meet a new set of people which has been been great so that's cool yeah that's one of my favorite byproducts of this class is mm. just a network of people you guys will have and after teaching this class for 10 or 12 years i mean i know a couple hundred people here in nashville that i know i'm like you know i've seen your material i know who you are <laughs> i right. know who you are if but you, it's a it's also a cool way, yeah, to, to meet other funny people and get out. Yeah, yeah. If you wanted a specific piece of information that uh, that uh, hit me again the second time that recentered was, uh, if you ever get stuck writing, uh, think about the last time your mood changed drastically. And I was like, yeah. And every time you tell me that, I think like, when was the last time I got mad about something or I got super happy? And then I can write a joke off of that because it's it's a relatable emotion. So that's a great piece of advice. Cool, uh, cool. Glad that it, I've used. Glad it stuck. Yeah. Cool. What's the question this time around? Uh, my question has to do with uh, written jokes. And uh, I guess the first part is, have you had a job where you've had to write jokes that are going to be read in a magazine or read on a, on the internet or something? You can't deliver them. And do you have any tips for writing jokes for that uh, dynamic? Like any any tips? Because uh, you can't control your timing as well. You can't really control your delivery. It's just on a page. That's great. Yeah, some jokes read better than are spoken for sure. And some mm-hmm. jokes are funnier, way funnier live than if you read them. And everything's more funny live than if you see him on a Netflix special. Sure. So, so all that comes into play. So I guess first off, you know, where can you write jokes? Is it maybe a good place to take it at the beginning? Okay. You know, I'm an old guy. When I first started, um, I traveled a lot, and I would su- I submitted jokes to Reader's Digest. There you go. They paid eighty bucks if it got in the the issue, and I got like maybe three jokes in there in, in like two years of trying. And uh, so that was like, like it was small, but when I was first like, hey, that's cool. I can yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's Now a I have something high. from my introduction. I'm objectively funny, yeah. <laughs> you didn't read his joke in Reader's Digest, and that's his only credit. <laughs> uh, yeah, some things are trickier to, to, to read. 
what I would, I guess what I would say initially is, you know, those jokes are jokes that I would tweet out to let people know I'm funny. And the thought didn't go to waste. It wasn't something I just jotted down and couldn't use ever. And occasionally, one of those things you tweet out is going to get like a massive response you didn't expect. Like, oh, actually, that might be something I should try out on stage. Mm. You know, uh, I would suggest writing topical stuff like that so you can kind of get in the habit of it and and writing and getting it out there. And again, down the road when you want to get booked and you want to get managed, managers will represent comics that can perform and also write. That sounds like you should be able to do both. Well, you can write for yourself, but if you can write topical, that means you can also write for TV shows, write for Silent Live Update maybe. Right. It's another tool in your It's another tool in your belt, and it's another commission for the agent or the manager who's repping you. Like, okay, if I can only make money, if I can make 20% off of you when you're on stage, you have to be on stage all the time. If you could be off stage and I'm making 20% of your writing gig or whatever, then, man, there's some weeks where you're doing both. I'm making 40% of your money for that week. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's not being greedy. It's They're investing in somebody that's going to pay dividends, bigger dividends. So finding ways you can write and be rewarded for it is definitely a way to go. And another great place to write, and I don't know if everybody's heard of this website. It's called comedywire.com. You can write, have your jokes posted. It's almost like a social feed in a way. And then people can kind of follow you. There's ways to get credits and bonus points for how many people respond to your material. Sure. But there is opportunities out there to get your written work out there for there to be an incentive for you to write jokes, even if you're not writing them for your act, and that's just going to make your, your joke writing muscles stronger. Just awesome. Put it out there and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate cool. it. Thanks, man. Hope you enjoyed the questions that were asked during the class. Hope you got some use out of the information that I gave in the answers. And always happy to stick around and, and kind of shoot the breeze, find out what's on the mind of new students. Because, you know, it's been 27 some odd years since I first got into comedy. And a lot of those questions they have, I had back then and really didn't have a way to get an answer. So cool hanging out with those guys and gals. And uh, again, we have new Nashville classes coming up in January. If you want to get in on those, uh, shoot me an email at schooloflabs at gmail.com. Put the name of the class you want to be part of, and I'll see if I can get you signed up. And online classes. Uh, This is going to be a big year for the School of Laughs coming up in 2018. We'll eventually get the business of comedy class online. And that's going to be a fun thing for you guys that are not in the Nashville area. It's a really intense class seminar. I call it because it's really me talking and giving you a lot of information as well as taking Q and a on every section sections include merchandising, what you can and can't write off on taxes, promo kits, niches, such as corporate college, cruise ships and churches. We also talk about what you need to do to get to each level in comedy, going from the open micer to the local MC to the MC at the comedy club to the feature to the headliner to the traveling professional comedian. All those things are covered in the Business of Comedy class, and there's a pretty sizable workbook you walk out of there with as well that will uh, be your companion as you move along the course, move along the journey of stand-up comedy. Whew! All right, guys. Hope you're enjoying uh, the last week of shopping or so before Christmas kicks in. Hope not only you get some good things this year, but you give. Uh, Your comedy is definitely a skill set, and it's something that you can do to help others raise awareness, raise money, and bring some fun and laughter to people who need it. So if you've just been thinking about yourself all this year, maybe it's time to think about somebody else and giving a little bit of that comedy away or hooking somebody up with a comedy night to raise awareness or some money for some kind of fund. 
That's it for the School of Laughs podcast. I'll talk to you at the beginning of the year, January 1, with our big goals podcast. You definitely don't want to miss that one. There'll be some incentives and some goodies along with that podcast. Thank you guys for a great 2017. Can't wait to see what happens in 2018. Feel free to shoot me an email anytime. Let me know what you're doing, how you're doing it. And you can do that at schooloflass at gmail.com. Stay safe out there and stay funny. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.